God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, you know Trump is at the top of the party when you got a George P. Bush, not George W., not George Herbert Walker, but George P. Bush, when he says that Trump is the future of the Republican Party. Bush is a Trump supporter, while members of his storied political family are not. But my takeaway from that is the Bushes have long, since the days of Prescott, have long taken uh, their words and used them as they see fit. Whatever works. So you can only maybe trust them as far as you throw them. And that's only because of the reputation of his family. The swinos, rhinos, Republicans in name only. But, um, yeah, that's what we see there. So that's uh, kind of an interesting thing because when we see things playing out, there are so many tea leaves that are indicating that the Trump coattails are strong. I think that there's there's mainly one reason why it is that George P. Bush is doing that. And the reason why it is is because of the he understands what's going to win in Texas. Just like DeSantis is very, uh, very much a close ally of Trump in Florida. That's, these are experts that indicate that conservatives want America first policies to make America great again. Just like our slogan over at buglecall.org and magapack.org. It's, it's all of that, what we want. And uh, we want, you know, common sense pragma- pragmatism. Not what we saw at the G7, for example. At the G7, you would have thought it was just some sort of a climate uh, uh, kumbaya, climate summit. 
and redistribution of wealth summit where they take other people's money they take the middle class they're crushing the middle class worldwide i was talking with a uh, friend yesterday and one of the interesting things about it was uh i was testing my theory now this person was from bulgaria and I was asking and testing the theory and I was testing it and I was asking because my theory is and my contention is you can never have socialism and communism if you have a strong, vibrant, independent thinking, working, middle class. If you have that and that represents the body and foundation of your population and not just a little subsection of your population? I mean, I'm talking about what America was based on. I'm talking about where our presidents, where we used to get our presidents. We used to get our presidents not from Main Street, not from Wall Street. We used to get our presidents who weren't billionaires and millionaires. We used to get our presidents from Main Street, USA. People that you had a uh, trade You know, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson was a well-read man, but you take a look at some of the early presidents of our country. Not all of them were Ivy uh, Ivy League. Some of them were, uh, you know, tradesmen. Guess who's coming? uh, No, not guess who's. uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, right? Mr. Smith goes to Washington is all about, you know, a man trying to make a difference. We see this with people like uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for example, who left her business in Georgia and decided to head to Washington, and she's stirring things up. Great for her. You know, I happen to love a lot of uh, what she says, most of what she says, just about all. I haven't really seen anything I disagree with. She just is a common sense, pragmatic person. You do your business, I'll do mine. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what your uh, sexual agenda is. I don't care what your situation is. Just, you know, do you know how to do this job or not? And that's middle. That's what middle class is all about. Middle class is not about seeing color. But these globalists, these liberals, that basically have come from the, day, from the, from the party of segregation, and I mean it. You know, Jim Crow laws were actually written by state and local officials throughout the South. They were all Democrats. Democrat, Southern Democrat state and local officials. Look it up at Wikipedia because I'm doing research on it for a new article that I'm writing about vaccine passport segregation and the 70-30 rule. And that 70-30 rule means that until we get 70% vaccinated, more than likely the corporations are not going to be able to tell their shareholders because they have a fiduciary duty to their shareholders. They're not going to be able to tell their shareholders that we're going to blo- turn away you know, 50% of our market from the front door. Just not too long ago, I went to Best Buy and I said, what's your mask policy after the ban- the CDC lifted? And they said, however you wish. 
And now a lot of people are getting in on the action. If you've been vaccinated, you can come in. If you haven't, you should wear a mask. It's based on the honor system. And I'm not going to comply. You know, one of the things that is going on right now that we need to understand is that we are at war. There's a war going on, folks. It's a world war. I, I used to think maybe it was just a civil war. No, it's not a civil war. I'm seeing the same kind of nonsense now in England where soccer players are taking a knee for their national anthem. What's their beef? You got Black Lives Matter and you got all these different social justice situations. Turns out they're all Marxists, just like the founders of Black Lives Matter are Marxists. And they hide behind this cloth of skin color and they advance the idea and uh, uh, they accept they push for segregation, separation. Just like the, their, their grandfathers before them advanced the ball with regard to Jim Crow laws. Jim Crow laws for black people then, but Jim Crow laws for what, white men now? I was watching a series, I was uh, some, some series... There was woke. And every relationship was a woke scene. I have no problem, but let's just be real about the statistics. Like black people represent 13%, 14% of the American population. So for Joe Biden to sit there as a racist and basically say, you can't look at the commercials anymore without every two minutes seeing an inter- interracial couple. And I'm like, well, that's probably not normal. But, okay, that's fine. Just like all these other groups that are really small groups, uh, they represent a real fraction of, of our overall society. But, yeah, it's those small groups that need it, too. But every group ought to pile on, then. See, the government and what America is about is about staying out of your way and get, restoring freedom to your life. It's about protecting your liberty and your justice. It's about protecting your freedom, not taking it away. But we see in every turn what happens when given a chance. So they make up this stuff about like climate change. Now, I'm not saying climate change doesn't exist. I'm not a denier that the world might be getting warmer. But there is an argument to be made, whether it's cyclical or, or um, yeah, well, cyclical even applies to the argument that there are more ice caps now today than there was 20 years ago in the southern South Pole. In the North Pole, in the, in the Arctic, uh, you have less ice caps. That doesn't mean, though, that the world's amount of ice, you know, the world is on an axis. And cyclically, Things change and ebb and flow. We've had colder days. We've had warmer days. We've had warmer years, colder years. And not only that, but what what kind of measures are in place for this climate initiative, right? To say the Keystone Pipeline is bad when the Russian pipeline is good seems to me that's not scientific, right? Especially when you have the Secretary of Energy in the Biden camp basically saying 
that, uh, you know, when Colonial Pipeline was having their troubles, they were trying to get them uh, the oil over from the Midwest over to uh, the East Coast to bail them out and help them out of their jam. And they tried to help them out. And they said, well, it'd be nice if we had a pipeline. Pipelines are the best way to go. They're the cleanest. They're the fastest, faster and cleaner than trucks. Think about all the gasoline exhaust that these truckers have to use to just ship the oil, all the drippage. How about the trains? Same thing. Oh, but Warren Buffett owns the trains, so we can't we can't deny him. He's a big donor to the liberal party. So you got that. You got people admitting what's right and wrong, and yet policy, agenda, control. Why? I have no idea. Is it because they want to crush the middle class like we were talking about? Is it because they want to take away middle class jobs? Is that why they're cor- taxing corporations to death? So that the the CEOs who have a fiduciary duty to their shareholders will maxim- to maximize profits will go to greener pastures, say, in Ireland or elsewhere? Next thing you know, middle class is out of a job. Inflation is skyrocketing, but it's not even just inflation. It's biflation. What's biflation? Well, biflation is like inflation, but within specific market sectors. Other market sectors aren't experiencing inflation, but uh, key market indices, indicators, are. Like lumber, like food, uh, milk and eggs for the families, like oil. And like beef. Do you think those hackers have some sort of a green agenda? I mean, after all, they did go after the top two uh, items on the uh, Ocasio-Cortez Green New Deal hit list. Wasn't that oil and wasn't that beef? Top two. Look at the, look at the uh, Green New Deal hit list. Top one's got to be oil. Second one's got to be cow flatulence. Got to be beef. So what do you do? How do you stop people from consuming what has been so greatly affordable, like natural gas, like gasoline versus electric? Gasoline cars are cheaper, and the gas is cheaper. Oil to heat your home is cheaper than electricity. And not only that, but the minerals that you need to mine to fortify electrical grids and to sustain that kind of an electrical load in a world where there's no more fossil fuels would be through the roof expensive. And then one day we run out of that too. So then what? Wind? Solar? I doubt it. It's not efficient enough. And we may as well utilize some of the resources that we have. But they take away these things from the middle class. They take away and they jack up the prices. So if you jack up the prices on oil, like the hackers did, and you jack up the prices on ga- uh, on beef, like the hackers did, t- uh, they, they hit the largest beef supplier in the, in the world, from what I understand. I read. I read the world. I read one of the top three in the world, top in the United States. Suffice it to say, they paid the ransom. They paid the terrorists. 
That was like something Ray, Ronald Reagan would say, never do. That would be something that someone like Donald Trump would say, never do that. And so they did that, though. They paid the ransom. So we're going to get more of it, right? And we're going to get more of that. But when the prices go up, when the prices go up, uh, then what happens? People buy more or less? What happens? Yeah, the answer is people buy less when the prices go up. I learned that like in, uh, I think it was Econ 101. Actually, I learned it because I just have a brain. And you could you apply that to, to marbles. If you uh, We used to play marbles as kids. I'll trade you some marbles. You know, trading trading G.I. Joes, you know, whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. You could figure this stuff out. It's not much more complicated than what John Kerry makes of the JCPOA in Iran. You know, I'd rather have a horse trader uh, or a cattle trader out from Wyoming who has tens of thousands of cattle and tens of thousands of acres doing some horse trading with Zarif over in Iran more than I would ever want silver spoon-fed John Kerry, who's only married into money, was his only way to get wealth with the Heinz Foundation, Heinz Fortune. But yes, when you hack oil and gas, the prices go up and consumption goes down and the green people like Ocasio-Cortez are all happy. And they say, wow, that kind of... um." That kind of that kind of thing works. That kind of thing works. It works. Now let's see. I don't know what this is, but uh, let's try this. Uh, let's say this might be a, a way that we could accept our first call. Caller, you're on the air. I mean, he's got this whole thing all mapped out. Just read the last two pages. Uh, essentially, uh, the United States, and uh, of course at that time it was the Soviet Union, but the United States and Russia will merge on environmental principles. <laughs> and of course, they won't tell you that there is, I mean, we're technically geologically coming out of an ice age, and there will be... Uh, uh, you know, besides varied, varied atmospheric uh, conditions, but there will be an overall warming, and it's also seen, I might add, in on uh, the planets of our uh, uh, planetary system. But uh, but whatever else, uh, what's your feeling? Uh, do you think uh, uh, that uh, we're preaching to the choir? Because, what's my feeling uh, about what? Well, I mean, uh, you can you can see the the socialist intrigue behind most things, but uh, years ago, when uh, uh, Benson was Secretary of Ag- Agriculture, Khrushchev bragged to him something that's still quite significant: that their formula for the United States was to feed a small doses of socialism until we economically collapse. I mean, people talk about prices going up. Really, what's happening is the value of the dollar is going down. Oh, yeah. Well, that's and what happens in inflation, too. 
but whatever else, we enjoy your your faithfulness to the principle of liberty. All right. Well, listen, we have a we have a guest that's coming on soon. So, Bob, thank Bob. Well, I'll get uh, I'll get out of your way, and thank you for having me in. You're the first caller with our new system, by the way. So, thank you for that. All right. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Uh, we have a, a person who texted in today and says, Scott, nothing is going to change in America if this country doesn't revamp the entire education system. I'll tell you, a big blow to the education system, COVID. And I'm not talking about the virus. I'm talking about the fact that parents got wind of what was actually being sold, sold to their children. And all heck has been broken loose. And I think that's uh, actually something that's kind of interestingly playing out they didn't think that one through you know the mainstream media is the biggest problem in our country really besides election rigging so you know we i think that the most important thing for our country to get back on its feet is that we finally just have fair elections again i'm talking about fair elections folks i'm not talking about benefiting me or benefiting trump or benefiting you i'm talking about fair elections because I think we win fair and square. I think that the America first policies to make America great again, uh, stronger borders, lower taxes, more uh, freedom, less regulation, bilateral trade deals, and having the globalists around the world pulling their own weight and not relying so much on the American taxpayer. And again, it's the middle class taxpayer that they're trying to crush. In every one of these, like I said, with my friend from Bulgaria, um, you know, confirmed. There's no middle class. There's the rich, the super. When I was in Venice, super rich, you know, and then the people that served the super rich. There was very, very little middle class. And the same is in a lot of these countries where they've had communism or socialism in particular. And it doesn't work out too well uh, that they... Uh, you know, they have those situations going on. So, um, let's see. I have to, uh, yeah, I, I just have to fix one thing. Okay. All right. So, um, we're working with a new call-in system. So, want to make sure I hear my guest when he calls in. But that's what we're facing. This is a world war. This is still a war uh, between globalism and and uh you know capitalism or nationalism populism and what one of the takeaways uh from the G7 in my opinion was the charade number 1 the elbow of uh, elbows and the the um the photo ops with the masks you know and obviously it's their agenda um and they're trying to you know I don't think that where you know ma- mask mandates is a great endorsement for vaccines. Number one, number two, I'm reading all kinds of side effects for the vaccines. There's a Gateway Pundit story uh, of a doctor uh, that basically um, has put this out. Doctor Stephanie Senup, S E N E F F. You may want to look her up and find out what she has to say about this. Uh, I could play a lot of her audio, but it's a little too long in my opinion. But we're in a world war, and one of the big takeaways from the, for me was that um, Boris Johnson sold out. 
I mean, completely. He reminds me more of a Lisa May, uh, Teresa May or, um, you know, Tony Blair than he ever does, you know, Nigel Farage. You know, Nigel Farage is like a hero to the right in America and abroad and got, you know, got his chops at UKIP and really made it, you know, a storm happen in the you know, European Parliament. But Nigel Farage is a rock star, but they fired him on the the telly and they silenced him everywhere they could, social media. Even though we've been proven to be right, we've been censored and silenced. The media is allowing these globalists to get away with it. Why? Because the media's sponsors are multinational corporations that benefit from globalist policies. That's what's going on, see? It's all about the Benjamins. And China controls a lot of land. They control a lot of media. They control a lot of properties. I'm talking about corporate properties. They're huge stakeholders. But they don't just willy-nilly buy stake in something. What they do is they strategically place their money in strategic places to make a difference. We're going to go ahead and take our guest, Brent Hamachek. Uh And uh, Brent, uh, you're on the air. Uh, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Hello, Scott. It's uh, it's nice to be back. It's been a while. I was afraid maybe I was in Scott Adams' jail, you know, and waiting <laughs> to be let out. So, so it, it's good. It's good to be here, and have uh, always good to be with you and your audience. Yeah, well, I'm excited about what you're involved with over at Human Events. You also uh, got some really big names over there, and you're doing some really great work with respect to uh, the articles that you guys are putting out. And I think you're one of the main people that's responsible for the great work that's being done over there. Tell us a little bit about what's happening at Human Events, and we'll start from there. Sure. I uh, look. I I don't take any credit. I'm doing my job, and I'm probably you know I'm the luckiest guy in the face of the earth who doesn't have Lou Gehrig's disease uh, to get to work with some really great people. And you know I've got Jeff Webb and Will Chamberlain who are at the helm of this as partners, and uh, we have Charlie Kirk as a writer and contributor, and we just recently brought on Jack Pasovic from OAN, and Jack is. Uh, you know, he's kind of a, a superstar uh, within the industry. He's got a nose for news. He's got uh, great contacts and sources. He's fearless in terms of his uh, investigative abilities and what he's willing to do. You know, he went inside the, the Chaz uh, zone in Seattle undercover. Uh, he's been on the streets with Antifa. He's just written an Amazon number one best-selling book. Uh, that uh, talks about Antifa. He's on a sort of a book tour now. And so he's been breaking original stories for us, and our opinion side is very strong. We're adding writers every day, and we're taking something that has been a long-established presence in American conservative political thought going back to 1944, and we're sort of breathing a fresh new life into it, right? And so that's exciting. And the last part I'll say about it is that you have this sense of legacy and responsibility when you step into something that was started so many years ago and carries with it such a great prestigious reputation 
So we're not just building something, we're also caretaking something. And uh, that makes it extra special. That makes it different than some sort of a business startup uh, in a more traditional sense. Right. When did Human Events actually get started? When, when, did it, when was it founded? 1944, which for your audience is even before I was founded. So it's a <laughs> long time ago. And uh, it's, cla- it's claimed the same is that it was uh, the favorite publication of Ronald Reagan. And one of the things that Jeff Webb and I have learned in a recent week-long business tour we did in Washington meeting, sitting down with a variety of people from John Solomon to Newt Gingrich and folks from the Heritage Foundation and others, everybody tells the same story. And that is that Reagan's staff didn't want him to read human events because human events was publishing things in a serious way, but also in a standing against the wind sort of way that would drive Reagan's staff crazy. He'd hold up an article he had read that day and said, and would say, why can't we do this? And so they used to try to hide his magazine from him, and he would always manage to find it. So we want to keep that spirit alive of being both thoughtful and original. And those are two things that in today's world are not easily put together, or at least not commonly put together. Well, I just posted your article, your most recent article uh, that you wrote. Brent Hamachek wrote this. Um, it's called, entitled July 4th Rally in South Dakota on track for success despite cancel culture efforts. And uh, there's a lot of stuff happening in South Dakota because I know of a Freedom Fest that's happening later in the month, but um, this rally that uh, you're going to be speaking at is very special. And uh, the article that you put together over at Human Events, I just posted on my social media, so please check out Scott Adams' show on Twitter. Or go to my Facebook page for those who are listening and you know know me online and social media. Uh, check this article out, and also you know subscribe. Uh, it's actually free, but human events. But it is. I mean, mm-hmm. but but you could still sign up for the newsletter and stuff like that. I recommend it um, because I might be writing a little bit from for human events in the opinion section. Um, so I'm going to be submitting some. That's of my the hope. As well, what's that? Yeah. Brent? I said that is the hope. We yeah. we want to have Scott Adams in our stable. Yes. Uh, we want thoughtful, thoughtful, edgy, creative people, and you check all those boxes. Uh, I appreciate you posting this story on your sites and sharing it with people, and I love having a chance to talk about it. Uh, I'm always struck after I appear on your show, I will get notes from your listeners uh, that are very kind, and they have a theme of the fact that we talk about things that sort of a a one-step-up sort of level. And if it's okay, I'd kind of like to do that with regard to this event and an issue that, you know, we'll talk specifically about the event, but there's an issue that uh, plagues... Before we get started, well, before we get started, yeah. um, because um, I'm going to also ask uh, this information again from you at the end uh, of what you're going to be talking about here, but how, mm-hmm. what is a way for people to actually email you and find out more information if they want to want to communicate with you what's your oh that's great thank yeah thank you it's pretty simple it's brent at humanevents.com okay so brent uh at and human I, events. I answer every email brent at humanevents.com and believe me folks i want you to email brent at humanevents.com and uh, he does he's very good at getting back to to me and everybody that i know so 
He's a really great follow-up guy, Brent at humanevents.com. Uh, check him out. Ask about the event. And uh, Brent, okay, so tell us about this July 4th rally in South Dakota. Sure. So what we've got is the red, white, and blue Rockin' Across America uh, tour. And that title ought to sound, actually, it's the red, white, and blue tour Rockin' Across America. Excuse me for uh, saying things backwards. But uh, so uh, it's July 1st through the 4th in Sturgis at the Buffalo Chip Campground. So, you know, proximate to Mount Rushmore, wonderful setting, bunch of great conservative folks sharing in music and speakers and all sorts of events. And you can find out more about the event and buy tickets to it if you go to um, the patriotparty.rocks. That's where the site is actually located and where you can purchase tickets and learn more. But here's the issue, Scott. Here's what's pretty fascinating. Mm -hmm. So this event, which is coming along very nicely in terms of people signing up, got some really uh, great name performers and other things. But along the way, it's encountered two interesting problems that bring up a bigger issue for people like you and I in terms of what we do. And that's where we'll step up a, a level. One of the problems is there are, have been some vendors who have been unwilling to work with the event simply because of politics. You say, well, what politics is that? Well, all that's in the name is red, white, and blue and rocking across America. I mean, there's nothing inside of the title that's inherently anything. There's no mention of Donald Trump. There's no, you know, antagonistic language. There's nothing like that. So you, you're sort of left to believe that because the words patriotism are used, terms red, white, and blue, that those have now become essentially trigger terms for the other side. And people are attempting to say, I won't work with anyone who support, supports the notions of patriotism or the, the colors of red, white, and blue. Somehow, whether that's nationalistic, racist, imperialistic, whatever it is they have in their mind. The other thing we've seen is that as people who have attempted to share the simple one-page flyer on social media, they have been placed into Facebook jail. They've had their content taken down from Twitter. And the poster, which I won't ask you to post on your site, um, if one were to read it, there's, there's just nothing on it. There's pictures of people who are speaking. There's patriotic imagery. There's nothing about it that is remotely antagonistic. And yet, because of those trigger terms, red, white, and blue, patriotism, just the scheme and the colors, the social media titans, the Zuckerbergs and the Dorseys are seeing fit to make sure that this isn't promoted. So the article that I wrote yesterday was half to show and promote the event, and it was also half to show what's taking place with the state of cancel culture in this country and just how deep that it runs. Um, so that's the event uh, I encourage people uh, not only to attend, but if you can attend, I encourage people to go to the patriotparty.rocks and buy a ticket and donate it so someone else can attend. Right. Just not only to that, simply but, show your report. But I want to ask uh, people listening, if you're brave enough and bold enough to, 
to help promote this event and see if you get censored by Facebook and Twitter. And if you do, uh, call in and let us know. Our call-in system's now working. This is the first day we've taken calls in two months. And uh, our phone system went down, and the, the company that provided us with the service went out of business or something happened to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were left scrambling. But we finally have this phone system. I'm, I'm, I'm actually learning how to work this phone system. But I'm pretty, pretty tech-savvy, right. so we, we got it under control. But it would be interesting to do a little t- sample and just say, okay, red, white, and blue. You know, it makes me think of the New York Times um, editor. Mara, uh, forget her last name, but she's a person of color. She's an editor at the New York Times, one of the jobs that, you know, only, you know, of so many few, it's a very exclusive job, right? Anybody would love this job. And she actually goes out there and basically says that the flag waving and the American flag and the national anthem are offensive to her. That this patri- patriotism is too much for her to handle, considering that she feels that the history of America is not representative of patriotism or, or doesn't deserve that kind of um, uh, a pra- praise. And I just uh, beg to differ because, you know, here it is, too, that this same kind of mentality, Brent, in terms of this group think and this Kool-Aid drinking that seems to be happening around the world on the left, it's become a worldwide phenomenon. I'm now seeing British soccer players taking a knee to the national anthem. And I'm like, you know, they're not, they didn't go through the same, they didn't have Jim Crow laws, for example. That was passed by state and lo- Democrat state and local um, officials in the South. Um, and it, it seems like the uh, liberals have a history, whether it's Jefferson Davis succeeding, you know, uh, separating from the Union and fighting for slavery or their opposition to the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendments or uh, Governor of Alabama, George Wallace, standing in the way of integrating schools uh, by blocking the door himself uh, or the passing of Jim Crow laws, even you know, uh, Linda B. Johnson's uh, civil rights legislation came after uh, decades of him being a racist. And he said, we're going to own these. And then he used the N-word for the next 200 years. They used uh, basically social welfare and civil rights programs as a way to buy votes. And and, and that's what they're doing, it seems like, mm-hmm. with, with the open borders and, and illegal migrants. So all all those things are all those things are true, and you know at the end of the day, when you look at the example you point out in the UK, what are we really talking about here? I mean, I've been called a cynic by some, even by myself on occasion, but I, I truly think that the the question that has to get answered by people before they talk about analyzing anything in terms of behavior or societies or systems, setting policy, talking about economics is. You know, it's kind of like, what, what is the fundamental nature of people, right? What are we? And I tend to be sort of a Hobbesian and a Freudian, and I think that we're not terribly good by nature. And I also think that most movements, when you really strip them down to what they are, are typically motivated by some form of hatred on some level. Uh, even movements that are organizations that are about stopping hate typically are filled with members 
who want to hate people that aren't in their organization. So it's not a great testimony to who and what we are. But this, this issue that we bring up that we're talking about and the issue that uh, faces us here in South Dakota, to me, brings up a really interesting question that nobody talks about enough. And it's a dilemma that goes all the way back to antiquity. And it is this clash, if you will, between the Torah and then the sequel, the New Testament, of uh, you know the, the idea of an eye for an eye or the idea of turning the other cheek and loving your enemy. So when people like us, Scott, are faced with, say, vendors who won't work in an event because they want to cancel us over our ideas, we're left with, well, should we do the same thing to other events ourselves in our roles, or should we be the bigger person? And should we be the ones who won't lower ourselves to their level? And then if you really think about that question further, there's no good answer to it. Because at the end of the day, if we become what they are, then we're sort of in this devolving, rapidly devolving cycle where we get so conform or so consumed with hatred and retaliation and tit for tat that we can't function as a society. And if we go the other way, where we constantly are turning the other cheek, we'll run out of cheeks because they're slapping us so hard and so violently that it seems impossible to choose not to fight back. So we can't really win here as a people. Either way we turn, we're faced with a dilemma that really isn't very pleasant. There's no good answer. And if somebody says to me, what is your answer? I don't have one except to handle it case by case and to decide in any particular moment, if you're one of us being confronted with this sort of cancel culture mentality, analyze the circumstance, think about the context, and then figure out what's the best thing to do in this particular moment. But we can't pick either as a rule uh, because they don't both always work, and neither choice is a good one. Hmm. Wow. Well, uh, Brent Hamachek from Human Events uh, want to just say uh, the event that's coming up on July 4th, what are the exact dates of that event? So it starts on Thursday, July 1st. Uh, there's a um, meet and greet type reception. There's also a VIP event for people who want to pay a little extra and, and meet some folks that uh, show up that might be worth meeting. And then uh, the event really starts in earnest on Friday with speakers and activities. It runs through Sunday. Uh, there will be a showcase NASCAR for photo ops. There will be uh, a sort of a rodeo type event uh, that will be fun and give people a sample of that. There will be uh, live music being performed by folks who were formerly associated with the bands Boston, Kansas, and Journey. Um, and just a lot of great association opportunities for people like us to get together, feel like community, and have feel fun. like it's safe. Feel, yeah, feel like you don't have to draw half the fish in the sand and see if somebody's going to draw the other half to know that it's okay to talk, uh, right? So sort of one one voice, one people, one nation, that whole sort of concept. So the, um, if you want to camp, you can camp for the price of uh, your ticket for admission. And uh, so all sorts of places to stay, people to meet, things to do, a nice good way to, to enter into the 4th of July holiday weekend so thursday the first uh of july it starts 
then Friday, sa- uh, Saturday, and then Sunday is July Sunday. 4th. Yeah. And uh, that's yep. going to so, be a... Go ahead. Yeah, all through all through the weekend. It runs the 1st through the 4th, and uh, you know people can pack up and head on home t- on the 5th. And like you said, there's another great event coming up in South Dakota later that month. There's a lot of events that are starting to finally pop up. You know, part of it is the better weather, and part of it is the time that elapsed since January 6th. People were afraid to have events for a whole variety of pretty rational reasons. But now they're popping up again, and our community is starting to rally, and we're starting to make the statement that says, you know, we're not going to be silenced. We're not going to be stopped. Uh, Here we are. Deal with us. And I think that's a good, strong message to send. All right. So if uh, anybody has any questions, uh, they can email Brent at B-R-E-N-T at humanevents.com. And when Brent responds to you at the bottom of the email, he's going to say Hobbes was right. Isn't that what you always say, Brent? That's that's absolutely my mantra. His uh, picture hangs on my wall and. For your audience that's not familiar, he was a, a British philosopher who gave us the notion of uh, the, the state of nature in man. And he painted a very, very dark portrait of what we are as people naturally and said that we really can't be trusted much to watch out for ourselves. Sadly, he's proven to be right mostly about us. I'm not happy about it. I'm just tipping my hat in acknowledgement to the fact that he was on to something. Right. Well, Brent, thank you so much for spending time with the Scott Adams Show, and we'll be in touch. Thanks. It's always great. I pl- real pleasure, and I, I appreciate the microphone time you give me, Scott. It's, uh, it's a privilege. I love it. All right. Thank you. Take care. All right? You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. So that's Brent Hamachek. And, uh, well, he is, he is just like one of the smartest guys I know, honestly. I'm not kidding. I have conversations with him. And uh, we talk and talk and talk, and uh, it's really good stuff. I, uh, I'll, I'll be struggling with certain issues, figuring things out, trying to present you know, my best analysis of a subject. And I'll sometimes talk with Brent, and he helps me with that process. Um, so it's great. It's great. I really appreciate Brent and uh, all that he's doing for America. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he just sent me a text and said thank you. That's nice. All right, so I um, want to get back to um, this world war, you know, and it is interesting what he said about Hobbes, Brent. He said we can't really trust ourselves to, you know, in one sense that you can interpret that as, you know, you can't trust the government to, oversee you or if we can't trust each other um then who can you trust so that there's that issue too now i think our audio is coming in low so i'm going to fix that uh these are the problems by the way that we were having uh these are the problems that we were having with there we go see that uh these are the problems that we were having with the new call-in system and um, that's why I, I didn't really think it was ready for prime time um, because there's just so many other little bugs you have to worry about. Um, but we're getting there. 
we're getting it we're getting it straightened out that's for sure so i believe we are in a world war and i believe it's between globalists and national populists capitalists i mean trump is all of that right he's a nationalist populist the one thing you don't want you don't want what hitler was a nationalist socialist or le pen from france a woman that's actually given Macron, you know, will give Macron a run for his money. But, you know, is that, well, that brings me to the other thing. I just brought up Macron. And uh, what club was he talking about when he he basically said, you know, it's nice to have America back in the club. What, what was he talking about there? That's what he said, right? It's nice to have America back in the club. I was like, whoa, what are you saying there, dude? You know, with all your elbow touching and all this BS, not being sincere with the public. And whose money are you spending, G7? When you say, oh, we're just going to spend $2 billion here and 1 billion vaccines over here. You know, why not fix the underlying problems and help people learn how to fish and fish on their own? Why do we always have to just throw money at the problem and hope that it goes away? The G7, that's all they do. They gather up, give money away. And it's like they're riding on top of a a horse and they're spilling the horse's guts all over the world. Since when is it America's problem? You know, where we have to open our borders and allow all the problems to come inside our country. And then conversely, we actually give money and go into other countries. It's like when we have so many homeless people when you can't even walk down San Francisco, the streets of San Francisco without getting feces all over your shoes. I mean, syringes everywhere. Joblessness. People starving to death. People are literally going hungry in America. Because there's a lot of places in America that don't have easy access to social, uh, to, to, um, to homeless shelters. You know, that's generally found in inner cities. And that may be great for inner city life where you can go to a church or... But there's a lot of people struggling in this world, stressed out as all hell, trying to figure it out, how to pay their next bill. Stressed. Meanwhile, you get this numbnuts, Joe Biden, who can't even spell his name, takes questions off of the list. Oh, I'll get in trouble if I don't answer. Take the questions from these reporters. Meanwhile, you know, um, nobody asked him a really tough question. They asked him some decent questions. I'll be honest. I was a little surprised. But it wasn't terrible. But it wasn't great either. And he asked us to to answer to very few. And um, they were already canned. I mean, I, I would imagine that the questions were already screened. Because they have these coffee time, you know, where the journalists and the the press secretaries sit around and say, what questions do you think you're going to be asking? And then they put their names down on the list. Yeah, that's a good question. Then they go to Joe and they say, well, you're going to be asked like questions like this. It's like no outside, you know, no curveballs. Because they know that Joe can't work well on his feet. Meanwhile, we're waiting with desperation now 
aren't we? I mean, I am ju- I am stoked and juiced and waiting with a great anticipation the results of the AZ audit. I can't wait to figure it out and find out what's going on. Because I'm telling you folks, the most important announcement that's going to be made in a long time is going to be if, you know, like I said before, if they were supposed to have somewhere around 2.1 million votes and they get one point and they only count 1.8 million votes and there's a 300,000 vote disparity in terms of what was counted and what was uh, presented to the uh, election board, then that's 300,000 votes that need to be matched up. So if they have a vote not, that doesn't have a ballot, <clears throat> those votes need to be thrown out. And I guarantee you, if you take a poll of the votes that don't have ballots, you probably have Joe Biden winning 75%. You take that off, it's a 10,000 vote disparity in Arizona. And then you take a look at Georgia, another state like that, with like 12,000 vote disparity. It turns out that six out of 25, that's 24%, 24, 25%, a quarter, a quarter of all votes in Georgia did not have chain of custody. They already got an official to admit it. It's not, this isn't conspiracy stuff. If we talk about it, we were getting censored on Facebook and and Twitter. Again, our free press is not free. It's, it's, uh, they're all catering. They're all catering to See, what's, what has really happened, it's not our government that's cutting off the heads of journalists who tell the truth. It's, it's these multinational globalist corporations and their shareholders that basically say, we are going to defund you as an organization if you don't tell the story the way we want you to tell the story. So they're selling out for money. They're selling their country. The mainstream media is selling their country out for money. And people like Lindsey Graham and John McCain and Joe Biden have been doing that for decades. And that's what we face today is this greed. In any case, that brings us to the end of our show uh, the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out buglecall.org, magapack.org uh, for the latest of what we're doing over there. Check out Scott Adams Show for the latest podcasts. And we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. A little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.